Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this month's um, Books and Bourbon. Forgot what show I was doing for a second there. Doing a lot lately. (laughs) (laughs) Books and Bourbon, that's what we're doing this month. I have the absolute pleasure um, to have one of my personal icons for Kentucky, gay icons as well, heroes here. Um, He is Kentucky's 2022 Teacher of the Year has an absolutely fabulous poetry book out, um, Gay Poems for Red States. Get it, read it, you'll love it. Even if you're not a poetry fan, uh, you're going to love it. Um, Willie, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on here today, and I'm so excited for this episode. And also, happy Pride. It's first day. Thank you, happy Pride. I am so excited, too. And Gay Icon, that is a first... uh, (laughs) You know, a, a candidate for office called yesterday and was wanting my advice and I was like I don't I don't know what are you wanting like what the gay opinion would be and but the advice evidently was like how do I get the word out and I'm like yes. I, I I am nothing and no one other than someone who just complains a lot <laughs> I just happen to do it in really sassy unexpected ways for a teacher there you go. <laughs> I'll take what I can get at this stage right so, exactly exactly yeah. well so, you're working me and People at my office absolutely love you and our board. I'm on a reading association board here and we do li- part of literacy. And yeah, so I, I told a few people that you were coming on and Keith was like, damn it, I have to work. I want to join it. And I was like, you're not even a host. He's like, I just want to listen. I was like, well, it's going to come out next week. You can listen. He's like, I know, but I'm a nerd and I want to listen. So yeah, <laughs> so That's you're so popular here. <laughs> well, say hi to everybody and thank them so much uh, for thank their support. Will do. Well, let's jump right in. Um, like I said, he has this fabulous poetry book that I looked up some reviews for it and I kind of had to chuckle every, almost every single one that I've read so far uses the word raw. And that was something that I very much found reading this, um, reading these poems and it's raw, it's truthful, it's inspiring. Um, what inspired you to write this collection? So, um, you know, it, the I had a for people who don't know, I don't know who knows what, but I was um, I've been a gay teacher for 15 years. Um, and obviously that did not go off without a hitch. There were, <laughs> there were pretty consistent problems happening. Yeah. Um, but I was able to do it. I was able to sort of maintain what I needed to maintain to, to make it work and fight the good fight. Yeah. Um, and then I became teacher of the year and it was an absolute honor. Unlike any I've ever had before 42,000 yeah. teachers in the state. Um, but that drew monsters out of the woodwork, to put it lightly. Um, and those people began to attack me and they began to attack my students and school was always a safe place for me as a kid. Um, you know, I, my parents were wonderful, but you know, times are hard in the nineties in Eastern Kentucky and in, in coal mining uh, situations. So, there were times when we did when we were homeless. There were times when we didn't have running water. But school, school was always warm. School was always safe. It was always yeah. somebody taking care of me. I knew that in the back of my mind. Like, I am safe here. And I think 
having school become so unsafe. When those voices started not only attacking me, they started attacking my students, uh, my now ex-students. So they were um, literally sharing photos of my queer students online, accusing them of being predators. Um, the police had to get involved. It was really scary, but the school wouldn't sort of stand up. So oddly enough, I sat down to write an angry email to my superintendent. One of many, I had written calmly three or four times begging him to intervene. I um, mean, he wouldn't do it. Um, and then that day I was like, I'm done. I'm writing something angry. And then this poem came out. Um, so what I found was there was a, and this is maybe to speak to this word raw, there was a small boy inside of me who I didn't, I didn't know he was still there. Um, and every word was how he wanted to put it. Um, and after it was sort of there, I was like, what, what just happened? Because <laughs> it felt out of body. Yeah. Um, and then every day I just sort of said, okay, you're here. So what do you want to say? Yeah. Um, and I found even as I was editing, you know, there were times when I would be like, okay, that line is over the top emotional. And like, I could feel him between my hand and the backspace button saying, please don't erase me. So I wouldn't do it. I just let it be what it would be. Um, so this, this is, this is the product of that. This is, I think a little boy who kept himself silent so that I could be here today. Um, and this is my gift to him. I, I want him to know that he's, he can still be here and um, he can do what he wants and say what he wants. And I'm going to protect him because I'm big enough to now yeah. big enough to protect all kinds of kids. actually. <laughs> 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 Lord, uh, two minutes into this show, he's already got me crying. So that's, that's how good this guy is. <laughs> but that's true. That's, um, that's a good point. Like for me, myself, as I was reading this, I'm a late bloomer when it comes to being a lesbian and being open about it. Um, but it, I always kind of joke. I look back. I was like, well, probably there were signs <laughs> that I think that I just wasn't. And same thing. I grew up with, a. I got lucky when it comes to the parents um, and mm -hmm. culture. I grew up in Portland, Oregon. So obviously very different environment, but mm -hmm. there was, I still think back. I look back at my high school experience, especially, and I wish we had more teachers like you in that so I do remember like we started, um, you know, some clubs for students that wanted to, you know, not even, even if they weren't open, they were, you know, somebody that just, if a club just felt, you felt comfortable. And I do remember a few teachers pushing back on that and fighting against that and mm. wishing more teachers like you that would be able to step up. Um, and I was trying to explain your experience. Like I was to my mom, I went home last, couple, last week and I was explaining, she's like, well, how did that happen? Like, how can you be the teacher of the year? And I was like, because I was like, mom, look at our state. It's like, you know, my state, you know, you are probably you know afraid of yeah. what, when I moved, first moved here being, you know, I moved here for mm -hmm. a girlfriend at the time. And th yeah, that it was, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's like, you know, he was, I was like, it was like, he was open, honest. Yeah. But, but you know, I was totally out um except for one year the friend and that was because i was told i'd be crucified that was my first year their exact words and back then in order to get a teaching license you had to have the like multiple administrators sign yeah. so i thought i will never get out of here because the first thing we did as soon as i got my license was move to vermont yeah. um but there was a part of me that was angry because i love kentucky yeah. i love kentuckians i think people are good yeah. i just feel like um, I, I will give her credit. Dr. Bernadette Barton um, first explained this theory to me. She's a sociologist at Moorhead State. But people are really nice. 
But what that means is they don't challenge things when bad things are said. Yeah. And I've been in those situations where I've literally heard someone say something homophobic or transphobic or racist, and the person listening to them knows that it's wrong and doesn't say anything, right? Because they don't want anyone to be uncomfortable. Now, the the large, the big implications of that are that we can have a grown woman accusing children of things and a superintendent whose charge is to protect those kids will be quiet yeah. and he will watch those kids get harmed rather than be uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's kind of how it happened. Um, so I'm all about making everybody uncomfortable. But if yeah. I can make them laugh while making them uncomfortable. There you go. You big photos that way. way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I appreciate that. I, we, you know, so, you know, Twitter has its issues. I will say that Twitter has mm-hmm. issues. And that's, you know, we're connected through that. Um, but well, that's one of the things I found is the talking of getting those con- uncomfortable Position mm-hmm. those conversations. It's like that's how we're gonna, especially with my demographic. I get so frustrated with white women. I love them, but I think mm-hmm. it's frustrated. It's like y'all are voting against your own, yeah, your own values and support. And I always hate that. Well, I love you as a you know, you know, a gay person. But I was like, yeah. but you voted. Like I've got family mm-hmm. members that have voted against my beliefs, and they're not family members I talk to so much anymore. But that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Who are the who are the people establishing these narratives? Because here's the truth. I went to a safe space training in Georgia in 2007. And the there was a multiple choice quiz like, what do gay people want? I think they weren't even saying trans at the time. Right. Um, one of the questions <laughs> was like, gay people would rather have A, laws that protect them, or B, people who love them. And I'm like, A, A, A. Um, and then we were told the correct answer is B. And I'm like, excuse me, gay here? No. Yeah. <laughs> I can find people who love me. I want protection. I need protection. And when I hear, a, a, you know, someone say, well, I don't hate anybody, but, you know, I just happen to be Republican, but I'm, I, I don't. And I'm like, I hear what you're saying, but if you vote for someone who is going to harm me, then you're doing something. It's not just an issue of what you believe. You're actively choosing to harm me and you're, you're harming these kids. Yeah. Um, so whatever you think you're voting for, right? Let's say that you think you're voting for gas prices. I might disagree, but let's say, right? At the end of the day, you're still choosing gas prices over children's lives. Yeah. That's, okay. how do you come back from that? Right. Exactly. Um, who do you hope to reach the most as an author? I think... Yeah, I so an unexpected thing. Um, Amazon, I mean, we use it. I have no idea how this book is selling, or it, it's not even technically out for the next five days. But <laughs> Amazon, it's been it's been um, buyable on Amazon for about a month. Yeah. Um, one of the categories I didn't expect to see it in was LGBTQ parenting and family, um, and it hit number one in new releases for LGBTQ um, parent. And, and I, I cried when I saw it. Um, less so because it was in the number one place and more so because it didn't occur to me that that's what this was, that there might be parents who are even affirming, but don't understand. Um, and something that my own parents have said many times, like my dad will apologize for things I don't remember. Um, and it's because he feels like it must have weighed on me. And what I'll say is, you know, I'm sure at some point it did, but when we talk about homophobia, it's like food, Right. Food is really important. I love food. But if you said to me, did you eat in 2012? I would say sure. And then you might say name one meal. 
<laughs> well, I have no idea. I did it 300 and know, a thousand times in that year. And I have no memory of it because it was everywhere. Right. Yeah. That's kind of how homophobia works, even if it's in your family, yeah. except for the pretty egregious ones. Um, so, yeah, he's like, I think I might have said this word one time. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I said it a lot more. <laughs> but I do know that their goals were always to make sure that we were safe and make sure that we felt loved. Um, and anything that they were doing was not out of malice. Um, so had they had a book like this, um, I wonder, you know, what that, what effect it would have had. And my hope is to, um, kids can't tell their stories. They're too, they're too small and vulnerable and we're harming kids who can't fight back. And they, and I've seen so many courageous kids across the state fighting back, but ultimately we just deny that we see people denying their existence. My hope is to start a conversation about how this existence is real. I was a gay kid. I wasn't just a kid who grew up to be gay. And I wasn't just a kid who also was, I was a gay kid. I had a crush on a boy in first grade. I had a crush on a boy second and third and fourth. <laughs> and, right. yeah, so like we, um, and that's not every queer experience either. Um, but it is, it is certainly a common one. And it's one that we have to acknowledge. Um, so that's yeah. enough. And I wonder, like, as I was reading this, that, like you said, not having something like this growing up, I wonder, I have to think about that when I grew when I was growing up, like, if there were stuff like this, mm. would I have felt more comfortable accepting who I was? Because I fought it, I think I fought it for a long time with that, but having, writing like this, especially from thinking of Southern states, and it's like, I, my mm. whole family is from the South, Georgia, Texas, um, Mexico is not part of the South, but we're in Georgia. <laughs> uh, Macon, Georgia, Perry, Georgia. Have my grandpa is one of thirteen. Well, I went to UGA. My husband's from uh, near Atlanta, so I know. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Especially, I had a um, there. I have found so many times in my life where there are kids who are using me as like a stand-in role model, almost mm-hmm. because there isn't one for for who they are. Yeah. Um, like I, I once had a student who was Asian American who he he would come to my class, frankly, because he was being bullied so bad. Um, and he said to me once at my last school, I would go to the Asian American teacher's classroom, but you're the best, you're the closest I got. And I'm like, how, in what world am I? The, does that even make sense? And he said, well, you know what it's like for other people not to like you. Um, and when, I went to um, I went to a conference well before the book was being published, but they gave an uh, ARC to one person, and the person who won it was telling me that their sibling was trans and was excited and had made them enter this uh, contest. Um, and on the one hand, like I'm so excited and I was grateful that that there's a kid who's excited, but I'm like I want there to be more trans voices for them to have. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I hope I hope we start to see more of those. That's you. I do too. That would be. And I do see that coming out more and more, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. I know that there's a lot of pushback right now in tumultuous times that, but staying a community, yeah. stand up is strong. And strong. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and as Our I said, water trends, I'm forgetting her name, but we have some great authors coming out uh, with, with some trans and Although my book has already been banned in a library. And <laughs> I kid you not. Uh, someone, 
I interact with so many people online. I'm so tired. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you are. <laughs> someone reached out um, and he was asking where he could find the book and how he could get it. Um, and I would give a book freely to everyone who wanted one if I could. But, oh, my God. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, I apparently am doing that because I've given one. I ordered four yeah. copies of your book. And Thank I, you. I don't even have my own copy. <laughs> I suggested his local library and yeah. he uh, wrote me back and said, they've said that it's banned. Of course it is. And I'm like, how? This oh, book is even come out. <laughs> Speaking of, um, that actually moves per perfectly to my next question. Um, what harm do you see in banning books? Because we've said, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what it all really, what it boils down to the most, like there is this obvious part where we want kids to be able to see themselves. So uh, a story that I don't think is public yet. Um, I um, my I co-wrote a grant with my students at Montgomery County High School. So they got a $10,000 grant um, to have an LGBTQ summit and also to buy $4,000 worth of inclusive books with Black, Brown, and LGBTQ characters. And they did a video grant writing um, letter, I guess, talking about why they wanted those books. And what's interesting is I would say out of the 10 voices I heard, maybe two or three of them even mentioned reading. <laughs> what most of them were talking about was the idea that they could go into a room and see themselves. And they were like, this is, one of them said something really beautiful. This, the libraries where stories are, are held. Yeah. And I want to go there and know that my story exists. Um, so it's really about erasure, right? It's, it's really about, telling someone whether they should exist or not. Um, and we can't overstate that. When we pull a book from a library, we're saying whatever is gay should not be in the school, right? Which is a way of saying it shouldn't be in public spaces because there's something bad about it. And kids are internalizing the heck out of those messages. Um, that's, the, that's the big scary part of this for me. It's what it's going to do to their mental health um, to see adults suggest these things. I heard another kid say um, <clears throat> that I'm a, a groomed victim until the day I turn 18, and then I'm immediately a groomer and harmful. Yeah. And the news stories, even 18-year-olds who are still in school, they will call them an adult yeah. and misgender them. But yeah, um, the school refused all of the books, all $4,000 worth. Oh, that frustrates me. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Uh, I gave them the list six months in advance. Mm -hmm. I said, if there's a single title that you don't like, let us know. We will replace them. We'll do whatever. Yeah. Um, the Fuzzy Duck in Moorhead was wonderful. And they agreed to give us an additional 20% uh, purchasing power with the money that we did spend. So we were able to get so many more books. These were all books from curated lists specifically made for young adults and all of them. None of them were uh, good enough for the school. Wow. That's... That frustrates me because, you know, that is my biggest passion. It's like that. We try, especially with our reading association, and I'm going to have to bring that up to the board and talk about that. Be like, what can we do? Like, well, uh, association. Yeah. yeah, let us know. And we will. Yeah, we'll do. Um, I have found a space in town that's going to be hosting those books. Uh, we're going to we're going to have a, a moment uh, <laughs> when we unveil that. But it's it's a problem. And Senate bill, whichever, uh, at this point, not 150, the other one, but five, I think five. five. Yeah. Um, you know, the I've tried to explain this to a few people. So good people who are open-minded don't ban books at all. Mm -hmm. So this this will not change their behaviors. 
And as a former teacher, I can tell you people who ban books are racist, sexists, homophobes, transphobes. So what, what this means is there are 1,400 students in the school. That means there are 2,800 parents. So I say to anybody, imagine if you even know 2,800 people. Imagine the single most racist one of them. Imagine the single most homophobic one of them. That person is now setting the curriculum at the school. That person is now the single most powerful person in every county in Kentucky. That's the scary part. We have just handed, and I point to Moorhead, Moorhead, Kentucky, right? It's a progressive, wonderful uh, little town, but it has an active chapter of the KKK um, with dozens of members. The KKK now gets to decide what gets to be taught. Yeah, and that that's scary. Mm-hmm. That and the Moms of Liberty, those those are the yeah. two that scare the crap out of me. They, they, they're the same group, right? I'm, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, they're the same, yeah. It's just the women's meetings. version, basically. They, Moms for Liberty was behind what happened with me. I yeah. found out much later. And that doesn't, sadly, that doesn't surprise me. And that, that group scares me a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot. I think, and I remember hearing back them, I don't think that's what they were called in the 80s, but I was reading, um, totally drawing a blank on her name, but her autobiography the woman that uh used to be president of um Planned Parenthood her mom was governor of uh Texas and she was saying that the started in the 80s that was mm-hmm. evangelical groups taking yeah. school boards in Texas and that's how they started banning books and they were the ones who banned critical thinking in Texas it was actually illegal for a while to teach critical thinking yeah yeah <laughs> it was just so sad. you know i think of the uh, the whole of society as a brain sometimes it helps me hope i'm like i'm a good person and i have a brain but sometimes my brain will say things like you're worthless um no one really likes you you know everyone has that uh inner saboteur right so i'm like this is our collective inner saboteur we're never gonna kill it ever all we can do is Try to find ways to trust ourselves. Try to find ways to build ourselves, i.e. each other up, uh, so that it's a little less powerful. But yeah. Uh, yeah. maybe start teaching the tricks we used in the past to get rid of them. <laughs> yes, that's better. Instead of banning the teaching of those things. Yeah. <laughs> we can do the reverse. Like, let's start. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's ways to go all the opposites. Um, what are some authors that have influenced you over the years? Hmm. You know, my single favorite author um, is Madeline Lingle, uh, still labeled, uh, sometimes labeled Christian, sometimes labeled young adult, but she has a way of, if you read a lot of her stuff, everything is connected. With the, even within a given story, you know, you have cells. I don't know if you've read much. Um, I have it, but I wrote it down, so I'll definitely check oh, it out. <laughs> oh, oh, um, so she has multiple series. Um, okay. One is basically magical, for lack of a better word. She would not use the word. (laughs) Um, But one is heavily spiritual, and not in some traditional sense, where seemingly magical things are happening to characters. And then another is a completely mundane, run-of-the-mill modern world. Um, But the same characters are drifting in and out of both stories. Um, There's We see, for example, in one book, something happened to a character and we can understand that this character has walked away broken and hurt. And then we see in another book, this character show up um, and do something horrific, mm-hmm. which if you hadn't read the other book, would you wouldn't be able to sort of in any way empathize or sympathize. But what she does is she teaches you over and over 
um, not to take things at face value and that everything that you're doing matters in cosmic ways you can't understand yet. Um, I love her for that. Um, in terms of poetry, who doesn't love Langston Hughes, Walt Whitman, I could sit and cry reading. Um, Robert Guy, my God, the man can do dialogue. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know if you've read his most recent um, oh, pop. No, it's in my to-be-read pile. <laughs> you know, Nietzsche talks about taking something and then spiritualizing it, making it yeah. so um, important that it becomes more than what it is. And he took Eastern Kentucky and spiritualized it in that book. It is it is beautiful. That's what I've heard. And I'm, I'm excited to read it. Somebody else, I think, Lick Keith was the one that gave that to me. So, yeah, it's, I'm excited to read it because I love his work. Absolutely mm -hmm. do. Um, what was an experience where you learned that language or the written word had power? Mm. Um, <laughs> I can answer this one easily because I used to assign this to my students. <laughs> uh, it was the first assignment, uh, of the year, uh, in English 200, but I don't know. I'm sure there were lots when I was really young, uh, okay. two that stand out. Um, it was, uh, Oh my lord, I'm blanking on the name of the poet. Um, this is how I want to die. Anyway, we'll, we'll skip that one. We'll go to another one. Um, I was in this is just a, a time in my life when I realized that words could do something I couldn't have even imagined. I was um reading a poem called Inuit Song, and it was transcribed from recorded memory. Um, in an Inuit group. So we don't really know how old it is. Mm. But I was at Moorhead State. I was the first of my family to go to college. I was exhausted. It felt like every step I took, I was making a mistake. I didn't understand how anything worked. Um, and I just kept thinking about quitting. Um, and I read this poem and one of the lines is, it seems as if I'll never get beyond the footprints that I make. Um, and I just... I could feel with those words, like deep in my bones, the feeling that she was having. Um, and there was just something really surreal about it. Like, here's this fat gay Appalachian boy in the year 2002, deeply resonating and hurting for a woman who probably died a thousand years ago. Um, and I realized that there's, you know, there, there are echoes of reality. Um, and she was just echoing right into my, to my soul. And somehow she lifted me. Um, and I said, well, if you, if your words can still be here, then I can still stay in college. Um, so, you know, that gets right back to that Madeline Lingle concept. Um, a woman, an Inuit woman wrote a poem a long time ago and it kept a boy in college. Yeah. Oh, that's touchy. <laughs> I like that. Go check out that poem too. Gonna write that one down. <laughs> that's why I love this program. <laughs> All right. Um, what would be advice for someone who wants to start writing poetry or really any genre that you might have? Um, one to read. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Read a lot, a lot, a lot. You know, and there are two ways to, to look at skills. And I'm sure at some point in my teacher training, I was given names for them. But um, <laughs> I personally, rather than trying to name and break down, you know, exactly what you're doing, say, read it until you can breathe it. Mm -hmm. um, feel it until you can breathe it. And then when you do it, um, you're not stopping and asking yourself, am I doing, am I using personification too much or not? You're not really asking yourself anything. It's just sort of natural to you. 
I think Dolly Parton does the same thing with music. She breathed it as a kid and then she just sits down and writes it. It just sort of flows out of her the way language flows out of us. I'm sure when my little French learners are learning, they have to stop and think, okay, I need a subject and a verb, je, paul, you know, um, but <laughs> French people don't do this. They just yeah. the language. So that's my advice. Um, consume so much that it's natural to you and you're breathing it. Um, so that you don't have to think while you're doing it. Um, and Sexton, that was the, that's the <laughs> first time I read a poem and realized what poetry was. Um, <laughs> and it was that same experience. I was 14 or 15 in English class. I had finished early. So the teacher was like here and she handed me like an anthology and said, flip through this and don't make noise. So I'm flipping <laughs> through it. <laughs> and there's a beautiful reprint of Starry Night. And I'm, you know, like any other kid who's ever, any other human who's looked at it, sort of transfixed like a deer in headlight because there's something so overwhelming about it. Yes. And then off to the right was this little Lynn Sexton poem called This Is How I Want to Die. And it was an ekphrastic interpretation. And I read it. And it was, I realized that it was beyond words. And it was made of words. I read it and felt this beast she was talking about on the back of my neck. I, I wanted to like back up into the death that she was talking about. Um, and I felt like I could sense a world that was bigger than the real world. And, you know, when you, when you're ordinarily looking at something or reading something, your, your brain is thinking in words, mm -hmm. but poetry takes control of your brain and forces you to look at the poem in terms of words. So there are no words happening under it. Right. You look at a painting, there's words under your looking, but there's no words under your looking when there's poetry. And it's it's a world that hasn't been written yet. And that's the beautiful part of poetry. You are skimming the surface of that world. Um, and I specifically remember the feeling I have was like I'm an ant who has discovered quantum theory and then it's gone. Yeah. But for that brief moment, I can I'm there, you know. Yeah. So anyway. So no, that's right. That's how I felt reading. In high school, very first time, kind of the same thing. My English teacher, I was always the first one <laughs> to be done with everything. So she would just hand me books. And she did the same thing. She handed me a Toni Morrison book. That was the first time I ever read Toni Morrison. And I was like, where is this mm. been out of my life? What I, was it? <laughs> um, it's about its oh, I can't remember the first poem it was. Oh, was it Toni Morrison poetry? Toni Morrison poetry, yeah. Mm -hmm. It was poetry. Because she's like, you, do you ever read poetry? And I was like, yeah. Outside of Shakespeare, when I'm forced to read, no, yeah, it was like, my thing. Then that she gave it to me, and I was like, Well, why isn't people like this? Is not what poem, like it just, yeah, I was uh, just sitting there reading, and I was like, Wait, and I looked at her, I was like, Is this really poetry? She's like, Well, yeah, and I was like, Well, but it's not the poetry that I grew up with. She's like, Yeah, mm -hmm. no, yeah, she's like, It needs to be taught more because it's it's more than just you know, rhyming and you know, those type of things. It's how somebody views the world it's how somebody mm -hmm. feels it's their you know it's their feelings that are coming out in ways that it's hard to describe and i'm uh i'm a terrible english teacher and person to call myself a poet and then i can't remember who wrote this but the line i remember reading the line in sophomore english bread i broke with you was more than bread music i heard with you was more than music oh. and just thinking I'm 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 sensing, you know, uh what what this guy is feeling uh in such ways. But that's not how anyone teaches poetry because you can't test yeah. your experience with the sublime. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't make a standardized test that asks, did you or did you not? 
uh, have an out-of-body experience. <laughs> right, exactly. Instead, they can ask, how does this uh, particular piece of figurative language relate to the rest of the poem? By the way, I graduated with a master's in teaching English and a bachelor's in English and had no idea what a metaphor was. All of those things that we push on high school kids at no point in my training did anyone care about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bachelor's in history. How many six? Oh. I had a lucky education. I, I went to Morehead <laughs> State and I, I feel like every other class was let's read this and talk about how we feel and make plans for a revolution. Um. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's how I, I think my history degree was so much more of, I took it from one, most of my classes, classes were for this one particular professor and he taught it through art. Like, mm. which is most his ancient, especially yeah. ancient history, he was taught through art and mm -hmm. that he found a way that, and he could tell it always resonated with me that way. And yeah, mm. it was. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, that's how you learn history. And I was like, it's not just dates. It, for him, I was like, yeah, it's dates don't, it's like, don't matter. He'll mm -hmm. like to, you know, entertain us with some, obscure date here and there but it's like it's more than it's more yeah. than just dates and names it's and they don't remember the dates anyway so why do we bother <laughs> yeah right it? exactly <laughs> i created just for fun what i thought would be like basic knowledge uh a test to give the students just to see kind of what they knew mm -hmm. they can't one in four high school students cannot tell you what century the vietnam war happened in <laughs> So <laughs> it's a little yeah. frightening, but I don't doubt that someone told them over and over again when it happened. Yeah, it, yeah, it's just it's in one ear and out the other. But yeah, yeah. finding other ways. But I bet they know when disco happened. There's yeah. some, and I bet if we had <laughs> mixed the two together, it might have done something. Yeah, explain it to really. Actually, if you explain it through music, there's would be a great way to. Yeah, and a lot of how things happens and how this world is. <laughs> um. Do you have a to-be-read pile? And if so, what's in it? A to-be-read? Um, yeah. <laughs> I do. Um, what? It's so big, I don't even know at this point. <laughs> um, it, it's literally up. <laughs> hey, let me go grab it. Because it's yeah, too big. Like yeah. I would love to do right. it. Uh, and I'll explain why I can't remember names. <laughs> so we're one of the same. <laughs> it impossible for me to remember names sometimes um, yeah and so i blame my father this is by emezi it's called pet uh which okay. is a kid's book from what i understand but i have been told by multiple people that it's absolutely beautiful i haven't finished the hurting kind um so it's definitely on my list if you haven't read planted by the signs or biscuits and blisters or have misty skags on um okay. biscuits and blisters is beautiful black girl at the intersection Yep. I have not finished by Latonya Jones, um, also a Kentucky author, and it's fantastic. Or her work is fantastic. I just yeah. haven't read this. Um, Jacinda Townsend's Mother Country is on my list. Um, let's see. Bloodroot, but it's a collection, uh, and Survival Map. So these are good. These are the ones I hope to get to soon. <laughs> um, but it's it's a stack this high. Yeah, I get it. I totally and get it. I went to Montreal <laughs> last week and said, oh, I'll bring five books with me. I will take valuable space up in my check uh, carry-on and read none of them. <laughs> I, I feel that. I went out to Oregon and I had two books on my Kindle and I brought a couple. And then my friend gave me one and 
she gave me Leslie Jordan's book and I was like, well, I got that. I have to read. So. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so we've reached out to Leslie Jordan to see if he would do a blurb about my book. And we reached out to a lot of people. Um, yeah. I pushed that press. I was like, do it. Let's do it. Let's yeah. have it. I don't care how weird. Uh, I'm past that point in my life where I think I'm not worthy. I'm like, yes, I will. So um, of all the people, Leslie Jones did write back. Uh, and he said, uh, I'm really entirely too busy to, to read anything right now, but I don't want you to think that it doesn't matter. Tell Willie uh, I'm rooting for him and he matters. Um, and he passed away maybe a week later. Um, so it was really nice to have that affirmation from such yeah. a wonderful man. Yeah. Uh, miss him. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm kind of sick. I was like, I reach out to everybody. My producer's like, make a wish list. And I'm still pushing to get Dolly on my show. So do it. Go yeah. for it. I have <laughs> tried multiple times and I will try some more. Exactly. Uh, to get Dolly. I, I want RuPaul uh, talking about my book. If I can do that happen. There you go. I sent a copy to Congressman Jamie Raskin yesterday who yes. sent word that he was excited to get it. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Van Ness has a copy uh, mm-hmm. and wrote to say thank you. So there you go. Yeah. There we go. If you never try, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna keep on trying. If I'm, I'm gonna walk to people's houses. There you go. There My you favorite go. thing that I've done. Uh, I'm also like, so it's weird. I'm now in a business school, so we have to go. Um, which I would never imagine. Million years have imagined myself in, but I really like the work because it's in student support. Yeah. So business sort of tangent. I'm making up a word. Tangential. <laughs> tangential. There we go. Uh, <laughs> author folts uh to what i to, to what i do but we do get to go to classes and we'll sort of learn about what's happening in business and how it works and i've learned so much about how a lot of business is just believing um and what you're doing and, and putting it out there so um i went to when i was in quebec i went to multiple queer owned bookstores in french and had my first French business meetings where I was going in and talking about this and developing a pitch for why uh, French speakers would want to read this book. Um, I felt very, very proud of myself. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, since it's also a bourbon show, I'm not sure if you're a fan of bourbon or not, but do you have a favorite bourbon if you are a drinker of it? Um, I like Elijah I Craig. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm definitely a fan of bourbon. Um <laughs> It's such a cliche answer, but I did have uh, Pappy Van Winkle with my brother-in-law, and I can see why there's the hype. It was really good. Yeah. Um, terrified of accidentally saying the name of a whiskey that isn't a bourbon. But all right, that would <laughs> um, I bring them on. My favorite, uh, just for sentimental reasons, uh, my friend Laura um, has a distillery um, called Wildcat Willies, um, yeah. and they've just renamed, they've just rebranded it. Uh, and I don't remember the new brand. They're based out of Winchester, right on Main Street. But uh, the teachers of the year all bring each other little tiny gifts um, from their state. And most yeah. people bring magnets. And I'm like, this is Kentucky. we got to bring something better than a magnet. Yeah, Magnets are great, all the people who got me magnets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I went to Laura and I was like, is there any way we could get little bottles of bourbon? Um, so she made me 200 bottles, little tiny bottles, and they were single batch. So that was, it was the 2022 Kentucky teacher of the year batch of moonshine and bourbon. Yay. Um, and the next event that I saw the teachers of the year at was at space camp where we weren't allowed to have alcohol. So <laughs> I snuck alcohol into space camp. <laughs> 
Such a good teacher, aren't you? <laughs> and may or may not have attended a reading at Space Camp by someone who may or may not be a rocket scientist who author, also authored a book. And we may or may not have had moonshine, maybe, or maybe. not. Maybe, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> that I love. <laughs> well, Willie, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, let people know, like I like said, promote yourself. I know you have an event coming up in a couple weeks here in Lexington, so Lexington mm-hmm. people, please tell us about that. And Yeah. Um, it is on the 12th of June. Uh, I'll be at Joseph Beth. I'll also be doing a few events at Pride um, in Lexington. I'll be speaking. Um, I'll be at the something <laughs> center in July in Lexington. <laughs> um, name some large industrialists from the 1930s who contributed to charity. I'll be at one of named after one of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know the the big barons. Name one of them. Oh. <laughs> anyway, one of them has a secret named after. Kentucky history is pitiful. I need to work on that. There, there may or may not be some uh, national news coverage in June coming. Uh, so watch for that. Um, from a major network and there may or may not be some promotion coming from very big names uh, and queer stuff uh, coming as well and I'm doing um, a reading in at the Gay Center in Manhattan uh, which I'm super super stoked about Um, so I am absolutely grateful to the world Um, the world has been so kind to me throughout this process and I've had so many kind invitations Um, so anybody out there who's listening um, thank you thank you for letting this queer kid talk um buy the book uh listen to queer kids go find one and tell them how great they are and tell them that they're going to make it and that they're going to have a great life and ask them about their future and give them that chance to talk um but yeah thank you for having me on thank you it was an absolute pleasure hello everybody welcome back to this episode of books and bourbon i want to thank willie again for coming on to this episode and sharing his amazing book, um, Gay Poems for Red States. I highly recommend going and picking it up. It's, if you're not a poetry fan, again, it's a phenomenal book. It's a phenomenal collection. It's it's heartbreaking in some parts. It's raw. It's truthful, honest. But also, you know, there's joyful in it. There's joy in it as well. Um, so it's it's got a little bit of everything, and I definitely highly recommend going and picking it up. Um, if you have a chance to follow Willie again on Twitter and Instagram and, you know, he's just, he's just an amazing person. And I'm very, was very lucky to have him on, um, for this week's episode, for this month's episode and great way to kick off pride by having him on here. Um, so now I'm going to move into, um, bourbon. Let's talk a little bit about some bourbon now. Um, I was actually going to, this is one that I was going to review last month because last month was the Derby and it's all sponsored by this particular distillery, but the world decided to give me bronchitis and I lost my voice and missed the whole Derby episode of it. So unfortunately this is a little bit delayed, but it's still a great bourbon to talk about. And um, it might come in shocking you because I know if you've been a listener for this show, you know, I'm not a particular big fan of this 
not so the, I like the distillery I, itself. I just don't like their main bourbon, their um, everyday bourbon that they have. And for those you don't know, Woodford Reserve, to me, it's not my favorite. Kind of has a soapy taste to me. But, you know, that's the thing about bourbon. It tastes different to everybody. There's some things that you might be able to pick up that I might not be able to pick up. For me, it's soap with regular Woodford. But I was able to sample when you do tour their distillery, which is a beautiful distillery to, to, to be able to tour out there. Sorry. Um I highly recommend if you have a chance afternoon, giving it a try. Their bourbon balls also are amazing. Um, so, you know, you get a chance to sample those, but on it, you also get to sample their double oaks. And to this, to me, this was a bourbon that I would be able to pick up and regularly drink and give a review to um, without having to feel like I was having my mouth washed with soap. Like I was in trouble or something, you know, that old scene from a uh, Christmas story where he gets his mouth washed for, you know, saying a word is not supposed to be saved anyway um so again this is woodford reserve double oak that i am reviewing this week this month um first of all double oaked means that it's aged in a one virgin american oak barrel and then finished in another virgin american oak oak so it is basically double oaked um distilled that way so it has this one in particular has a lower proof. Um, it's a 90 proof bourbon on it. So it doesn't have a lot of heat to it. Um, it has a composition of 72% corn, 18% rye and 10% malted barley, which you can pick up all three of those as you sample it. Um, giving it a quick smell, smell taste, give it a little initial smell. Um, and also really actually just by looking at it, one notice that it's a darker bourbon than most any other ones that I have that are infused with something. Um, this one is very dark, almost like a very dark chocolatey caramel um, essence to it. Um, almost like tea, to be honest. It has a very nice dark tea to it. Um, so yeah, it, on its smell, first pass that I get on it, definitely pick up the caramel, um, which is a common um, taste and smell to bourbon. Let's give another, there's a good vanilla um, essence to it. I also pick up a little bit of mocha, which is interesting. And obviously you can get the oaks on, on the tones of it. Um, I can also smell a little, little bit of pecans too, I would say. Um, maybe some cherries. Give it a little swirl. Definitely pick up some orange peel, oranges in it as well. So it has a very nice, pleasant uh, smell to it. They, because of the heat, it's not super high. You can really kind of get your nose in there and get a good, good smell of it, good whiff of it. Um, so let's go ahead and give it a taste, see how this one tastes to us. Ooh, yeah, that is definitely, that's a nice bourbon. Very tip of the tongue, I have a little burn, um, but it's not a... It doesn't travel back to the back of your throat. It doesn't hit you there. There's a caramel to it. Really smooth tasting. Um, I can pick up some banana in it. Take another sip here. Really, I should take a lot of banana, which is interesting. Um, definitely has some dark chocolate essence to it. So if you're a fan of that, I would definitely recommend getting that um, apple and orange I pick up 
as it hits the back of the throat. Um, it's it's very smooth. Um, it's a nice it's a nice bourbon. It's a little higher priced um, bourbon, so it's a little considered a little higher end um, of there. So in the fifty to seventy range, depending on where you are getting it at. Um, so it's you know not an everyday drinker. Um, well, unless you are you know wanting to spend that much for an everyday drinker, but it's a it's a nice smooth sipping bourbon. Um, good, you know, it's a hot summer times arrived here in Kentucky, so it doesn't get you too hot while you're drinking it. Um, so yeah, you wouldn't need an ice cube or anything with this. Definitely not one that I would want to mix with one because it is has you know a little higher into it. Um, it's very layered um, to it. It would really be good on ice cream, actually. Kind of reminds me of good sweet little vanilla ice cream pour a drizzle on top of it. That'd be delicious. Like I said, this one definitely has a great taste to it. Obviously, I'm I much prefer it to Woodford Reserve Standard Bourbon. Um, this one is has a lot more depth of flavor to it. it has great fruitiness of layers, um, which you pick up after that initial dark taste that you have when you pick up the caramel and the dark chocolate at the beginning. Um, it can taste a little bit of a mocha at the, um, you know, I'm not a big coffee drinker myself, but I can pick up some of that in it. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend picking up this bourbon, um, adding it to your collection. If you want, um, you know, it comes in pints and um, Tayarasso actually is a double, double oak out there, but it is very rare to find. Um, they only ever make it in pints and it costs about a hundred dollars. So it's hard to come by, but, um, you know, this one is, def is definitely easier to uh, pick up. Um, most stores carry it in anymore. Um, I picked this one as a pint. And, you know, I'm happy to have it in my collection. Um, you know, it's, yeah. So, yeah, if you have a chance to pick it up, definitely give it a try. Um, if you see it on a bar menu and you just have to get some samples, see if you can get it added to it. Um, you know, it's a good pour. A good summer drink to have if you just want straight bourbon on it. And yeah, I would definitely recommend this one. Um, so yeah, thank you for joining us uh, for this month's episode of Books and Bourbon. I hope you enjoyed um, our talk with Willie again. Um, thank you to him for joining us. Happy Pride, everybody. It's um, It's been an interesting few days for <laughs> Enter Pride. Um, but, you know, there's been some great, great things happening in this state alone. Um, can Lexington has its pride coming up on the 24th. Definitely we'll be heading out there. Um, catch me there in the evening time. So hopefully it'll be a beautiful weekend then. And yeah, catch catch our next episode coming up in July. Um, have some fun surprises coming in for that one. And you'll definitely want to tune in for that. Um, yeah. Again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It was where I mostly spend my time anymore. Um, have a chance to follow me there if you have any questions feel free to shoot me an email if you want to join the show anytime let me know be happy to have you join if you got a recommendation of a book if you got a recommendation of a bourbon let me know and i will always happy to take um take those into consideration and i have if you have any questions for any of our guests that are coming up um definitely shoot me a message as well otherwise i will see you all around Enjoy your day and month and happy pride again, everybody. <laughs>